0: You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy our guest speaker today from United Church, Pastor Kenneth Wagner, as he delivers God's Not Intimidated by the Real You.
1: 12 Stone, we are so excited with Vision 2021. If you've been listening, transforming souls, transforming families, transforming communities. And a part of that whole transforming communities is this thing God has built in us called church planting. Well, you know that because we are a church plant from the beginning. And we're watching how God expands the Big C Church, and God is putting that more deeply on our hearts. Now, we've been alongside many church plants and been of encouragement to them and done some coaching. And today, you're going to hear from one of our friends, a 12-stone friend, Kenneth Wagner is going to speak for us today. I'm so excited for you to meet him, to experience him. The power of God is on this young man and on the Church United. It's about a three-year-old church. Already after three years, they're reaching just past 2,000 people, I don't even understand that. That took years for us to get there. Hundreds of people coming to faith in Jesus. They almost had 4,000 people at Easter alone, but more importantly, the Spirit of God is on this church in Delaware, no less. Good things are happening, and church, if you remember, I said we didn't get where we are on our own. Our very first property and building was made possible by the investment of hundreds of others around the country who said, man, we don't even know about this place called 12 Stone, but we're going to throw in because we see God doing something. Well, we're going to do the same. We're going to pay it forward. So... Next September, I'm going to take $100,000 from 12 Stone's generosity toward their church, go up there, speak, and give it to them as part of celebrating what God's doing there and adding fuel to the fire. Come on, church. You know that's great fun. That is great fun. We're fired up. Just watch God multiply the big C church. So. Without further ado, would you, 12 Stone, across all the campuses, even if you're online, give a 12 Stone welcome to Kenneth. Come on now. Here we go. (laughs) Kenneth, love you, brother. So glad to have you here. Share with us, man.
0: Man, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, 12 Stone family. And uh, man, I just want to say I'm honored to be here as United Church. uh, Pastor Kevin just said, but we stand on the shoulders of everything that's been accomplished in this place. And uh, I just wanna talk to you specifically, PK, for a second. And I just wanna say, man, you gave me time when I was a nobody, and I'm still a nobody, but I wanna say thank you so much for the text. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you so much for uh, speaking to me. There's three prayers that I pray every single day, Um, three things that you told me, and they're in my journal, and every single day, I pray those for my life. And uh, man, I am where I am because of you. And uh, church, can we just give it up for your pastor? Can we do that today? That'd be amazing, amazing, amazing. Man. Listen, uh, today I want to share a message with you, but about a year ago, uh, me and my wife decided that we were going to go out and we were going to get some family photos. And uh, I was super excited about this, the, the, the kind of setting out on this journey of going to get some family pictures. And uh, all, all, everything was in place. My shirt was like perfectly ironed. I was pumped about this, right? And uh, my hair was laying just right that day. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Everything was was in place. It was it was going amazing, and I was confident like about this. That we had a great photographer. It was going to be fantastic, and so we set out towards downtown Dover. And, uh, and and some of you guys don't know anything about Delaware. How many people ever been to Delaware? Anybody ever been to Delaware? Yes. And uh, and uh, the second question would be sometimes why. I always hear that question of why. Uh, you're usually passing through, but it's amazing. Man, God is moving. He's called us to love Delaware until the heart beats like the father's, and so we're going to continue to do that. But we set out. Towards downtown Dover, and uh, what you need to know about Dover is it was founded in 1683. And so there's some like incredible scenes in downtown Dover. There's like the cobblestone roads. There's like the old buildings. And so we were like, man, we're gonna get some perfect photos. We're gonna get the the photos that are gonna make it on the magazine cover. They're gonna be on like the the website of all wet like all, of the Kent County Dover, Delaware. It's gonna be on the front page. And then we realized one thing that we had a less than two-year-old with us on this journey. How many of y'all have ever tried to get pictures with any kids less than five years old? Yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we, we head out, and uh, we, we get down there, and they're posing us in all of these different poses, and, and, and we're trying to, like, get something out of this, and, and we find ourselves, like, holding our son, and we're, like, negotiating with our son. We're, like, we're, like, listen under our breath. We're, like, if you be good, we'll give you fries. He's never had fries before. Like, if you be good, we'll, we'll give you a, a milkshake. He's never had a milkshake before. Like, if you be good, we'll take you to Chick-fil-A, and you can play in the play area, and then afterwards, we'll baptize you in hand sanitizer. That's what we're but but if you, just, if you just be good, and then we remembered the first rule of war, which is also the first rule of parenting, is that you never negotiate with terrorists. You never negotiate. And, and this is what kids are. Under the age of five, they are bona fide terrorists. Like you can, you can make them and talk to them and try to make promises with them, but they can't communicate back to you that they actually understand what you're saying. They're terrorists. That's what they are. And so we, we find ourselves in this moment and me and my wife were completely scarred by this moment. Like what took an hour felt like it was an absolute eternity. Parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there was this moment where we, we thought to ourselves, there's no way, like we, we probably took, I, I don't know, probably 200 photos just hoping that we could get one picture that we could use. Like we were going to get a picture for the website, if we could just get for our church website, if we could just get one picture that we could use, this would be fantastic. And uh, the thing about family pictures I realized is that you never seen, see behind the scenes, is that you always see what's posted, that you never see like what really happened. You actually only see the the benefit, and nobody shows the behind-the-scenes photos, right? They they show the one that's like been perfectly cropped and edited. You just look like a perfectly happy family. I actually brought one of these photos that I want to share with you, and uh, this is the picture that we got. This is. Me and my wife, Sherry, and we've been married uh, 11 years coming up in July, and this was my little boy at the time, Jace, and uh, we, we just look like we've got it all together in this shot. We're on this little stoop. It's just like, it's amazing. Like, life is going good, but can I tell you, there was very few of these, and there was a lot of the others, if you know what I'm saying. I brought a couple of those, because I want to show you those. This, this is me just hanging out over here on the side, like, I'm like, yeah, everything's going good, and my wife's like, what are you doing? Like, she's like, looking at Jason, if you can't tell his face, yeah, you get a little bit closer, I think we can get even a little closer there, yeah, he's, he's living his best life in this moment, and, uh, and uh, but we've got another one, this is, um, we're walking... On the cob- on the sidewalk of the cobblestone road, and Jace has just poked me in the eye. He's literally just gouged. And my wife has her her hair to the side, and she's like, "I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill everybody." Like, you like you just you see this? Yes, his face. And we go in a little bit further. He is he is on fire. He's loving life. He is having the time of. His life, And what I found to be true about family pictures is the same true, Same thing is true with social media. It's the same thing is true with most of our life is this, is that we never see the full picture. That when it comes to, to family photos, when it comes to, to social media, this isn't the only place where we find ourselves faking, if you will. We actually find ourselves faking so oftentimes in our lives. And when it comes to life, we, we spend so much time pretending to be someone we aren't. We spend so much time trying to press impress people that we don't know, often people we don't even like. Isn't this true? That we spend so much time, like we try to, we try to earn and we try to make and we try to try to make it look like we're doing better than we really are because we, we end up like posting our highlight reel when we really know what's going on really isn't the highlight reel, it's really much different. And we find ourselves, this isn't just about social media family, this is so much about Life And, and the, the truth of the matter is, it's not are you fake or am I fake? It's it's how willing are we willing to be to admit that from time to time we are less than authentic when it comes to our life. And the scariest folks for me are the folks who are sitting in here right now. And you've actually talked yourself into being offended at what I'm talking about. Because you would say to yourself, listen, I, I'm not fake. I, I'm not less than authentic, that we have really, some of us have talked ourselves into believing that there are spaces and places in our life where we are less than real. We are, we are portraying something that is less than real when it comes to our life. And I'm here to remind all of us today that there are times, that there are spaces, that there are places in our life where we are living a less than real life, where we are faking. Here's the crazy thing, is that sometimes we've been faking for so long that we've just forgot we're faking that we've been faking for so long that what we are experiencing, that what we are living, the things that we are are doing have actually become a part of who we are. And so if you have your Bible this morning or today, I, I want to encourage you to turn to, to Genesis chapter three. We're going to be in Genesis chapter three, starting in verse number one. and And what we see is from this passage is that there's, there's two people that we're gonna talk about today. It's Adam and Eve. We, we pick up early on in their story and, and they're encountering the enemy for the first time. Like they are encountering the, 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 the one who has come against us to steal, kill, and destroy, the one who is, who's come to take everything that, that God has put in us to try to take away from us. And in Genesis chapter three, verse one, we, we see this begin to play out. In verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? We see the first temptation of the enemy, the very first time that that humans encounter the enemy. We see this for the first time that he asked this question Did God really say? And what I found in my life, and maybe you can find this to be true in your life, is, is that there's so many times in my life where God, where the enemy, excuse me, will actually make me question what God said to me, that, that some of you today, that God has spoken a word over your life, that some of you, God has, has has placed a calling on your life, that some of you that very specifically, vividly, you can go back to a 12-stone a experience where you were sitting in, in an auditorium and you, knew, you know that God spoke to you, but so often the enemy will come up behind what God has spoken to you and say, did God really say? I also find this to be true when we read the word of God, when we read scripture, that, that we read the things that Paul said, we read the things that Luke wrote about, and, and we read the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we, we read all of these things, and the enemy will come behind after we read the truths of God, and he will actually begin to whisper the lie in our ear, did God Really say, because culture will say all kinds of different things, but but the enemy will come behind and will whisper this, did God really say? We see in verse two, it continues on though. He says, the woman said to the serpent, this is where we knew we were in trouble, is the woman started responding to the serpent. Come on, somebody, that's, that's where we knew we were in trouble. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. See, the, the, the enemy's been lying from the beginning. You understand this. He's been lying to you from, from the beginning, and if he can get you to buy into his lies, he'll make you susceptible to a million different lies in your life. Verse five, it says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The second thing I see that the enemy tries to do is he tries to get us into a comparison game. And this is where so much of our faking comes from. So much of, of the facade that we put on it in our life is, is that we begin this comparison game of, of trying to, 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 to be like other people when the enemy has been playing this game from the very beginning. In verse number six, it continues. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You notice the first reaction of sin is they covered it. The first reaction from the beginning of all time, the first encounter that the enemy is having with these first two humans is is they hid it. In verse number eight, though, I... It's interesting, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't this what we do? That we not only try to hide our, our, our sin, that we not only try to, but we try to hide from God himself that we not only, we not only hide the, the, the thing that we have done, that the shame that we are feeling, we not only try to hide, but we try to hide from God himself. In verse number nine, I love this verse. It says, but the Lord God called to man, where are you? He says, where are you? Can, can I tell you this today, church, that this is not a game of hide and seek. That God was not asking a question of their geographical location. this was not some proverbial like peekaboo with God like He was not playing this in this He was literally asking the question where are you. This is proof to me that from the very beginning of time that God has been on an endless pursuit of who you and I are, that he has been no matter what we've done, no matter how much we screw up, no matter how much we blow it, no matter how much we feel like we fall short, that God has been on an endless pursuit of who we are. Not some fake dressed up version of who we are, but who we really are at the depths of our life. Church, this is the greatest news that I could ever tell you is that the creator of the universe, the author, the the one who gave his life for us, the one who provided salvation for us, he is on an endless pursuit of our heart. And can I remind you again, he doesn't want some cleaned up version of who you are. He wants you as you are today. He doesn't want some pseudo version of, of Kenneth. He wants Kenneth raw and real. And he continues on in verse number 10. It says, he answered, he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. In this verse, we, we find out that, that faking is a part of who we are. This is not something that we had to learn, that we didn't like sit down with our parents and, and have the birds and the bees conversation and then it was fake it till you make it conversation. There was, there was not the two in, in, in tandem. This is something that we have known from all time, he says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. To understand this, we have to realize that that Adam and Eve were created in perfection. That Adam and Eve were, were created in, in this place where they were to have communion with God. That they were, they were, they were created so that they could walk with him. They were created so that they could be with him. And then we see that they were also created with choice. And, and can I tell you that, that love is not love unless there's choice? Like you, you can't have true love unless there's choice. And so God placed choice inside of them. And so they chose to disobey God. Sin entered the world. And so we have found ourselves in this, this brokenness that we that we call the world. That, this brokenness that we call planet earth. And this is is where we find ourselves. And and then there was this natural, this indication of of what follows sin so often. There was this natural feeling of shame. And so we find them in this place where they are hiding from everything that is going on in their life. I wanna show you this little diagram because this will be so helpful. If you're taking notes, I want you to to draw this. Um, uh, This may not be helpful for you, but this will be helpful for someone. So check this out. This is how I, I love to illustrate this. There's this first circle and there's the word self. This is how God created us. This is how, how God, this is how you were created to be. This is how you were supposed to be that, and some of you have never heard this, is that God made you on purpose, for purpose, and with a purpose. Let me say it again that God made you on purpose. He never said, oops or my bad. He never, like, said, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I did with him or her. You know, that song, God must have spent a little more time on you. Like, He never sang, God must have spent a little less time on you. Like, He never did that. Like, like th- th- this is not like God created you on purpose, for purpose, and with a purpose. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew the, the, the plans that He had for you and He knew they were amazing. He, You are His workmanship, that He created you to be your perfect self, to be this beautiful self of who you are, and then what so often happens is this second circle enters the, 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 our, our lives, and, and I like to title it event. There's an event that happens. There's something oftentimes negative that happens in our lives, and some of the things that I'm going to mention, I, I understand the weight at which they carry, and, and so as I say them, I, I don't say these things flippantly. I understand the, the hurt that these things carry. I understand the, the baggage that these things carry. I understand that there are hours of, of counseling that you have set through in order to be able to feel like, man, that you want to get back to your true self. But there's some events that have happened. For some of you, you've been abused. That for some people in, in, in the room today that you've been verbally or, or physically or, or sexually abused. And there's these events that happen and what happens is when these events happen, we, we crowd people out of, of, of getting to who we really are, our true self, and, and all they really get to is that event. All they really get to is that facade. That's as deep as we'll let them go. We, we hold them out at arm's length. We hold them out at bay. We, 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 for some of us, it's not abuse. For some of us, it's, it's addiction like there was an addiction that that you thought that you were you were hanging out with some friends one night and and you tried something you thought they were your friends but you tried something and and, and that substance it stole a year of your life or 5 years of your life or or 10 years of your life and, and there's this event that's happened in your life and, and and you you block out who you really are this this true self because of the event that you faced for some of you you were bullied and I meet with some people that have been bullied and, and they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50 and they, they still struggle with the things that were said about them when they were in middle school. And can I tell you that for those of us in the room who have never been bullied, we will never understand the weight of which those people are walking through that. And isn't that so much of our life though, that we don't understand what people are going through unless we've been through some of these things ourselves. Some of us were bullied. For some of us, we, we were embarrassed there was a moment that you can remember where I mean, you just got embarrassed. Like something happened and, and you can go back to that event and you don't let anybody get close to who you really are because, because of that embarrassment. For some of you, it was, it was failure. That you finished your four-year degree and you're like, man, I'm I'm gonna set out on this I'm gonna set out on this journey of life. I'm gonna do this thing. This is gonna be absolutely amazing. And then you had the rug of life proverbially jerked out from underneath you. You thought that, and, and because of that, you're like, listen, I, I I i failed. I'm not gonna do that again. This, these events that begin to crowd, we begin to push people away. For some of you, it was a mistake you made. Can I tell you that, that a mistake you made is not is, you are not a mistake because you made a mistake. And so often, it doesn't just stop here. This is what happens. It gets so crazy as we, we get to this third circle, and it's not just our true self who God created us to be, the, that God created us to, on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. It's not just the event, but what happens is we get to this place where there's this, this coping, this coping mechanism. And so many of us, we, we have coping mechanisms that we haven't even identified yet. That For, for so many people, you ever, been, you ever been talking to that person and, and they're on like a two or three, and you're having a discussion. And, uh, and, and then you kind of like the, the, the discussion turns into a little bit of an argument. I'm sure you don't know this. You just know people who have, right? You, but, but you go from like a, a two to three, like everything's going good. And all of a sudden, they go from like a two to like a 748. You know what I'm saying? Because here's what's happening is that you're not talking to the person. You're talking to the event. And they're like, oh, I've been hurt so bad before, and I'm not going to let you into who I really am. And so I'm going to have this anger. I'm going to have this rage, and that's going to keep people. I'm going to cope with this. And some of you guys, you're figuring out like your your husband. You're figuring out your wife. You're figuring out your your family members because they they flip the switch so fast, and you're not talking to the person as God created them to be. You're talking because they're like, no, that looks like the person who hurt me before, and I'm going to cope with it. I'm going to shove them away. I'm going to keep you away because there's no possible way that anybody else is gonna hurt me like they hurt me before. And so we find ourselves in this coping. Maybe for you, it's humor. Like you're just the funny, funny guy, funny, funny girl. And and, and if we don't laugh, we'll cry so often, right? And so we cut jokes and we keep people away because we we just kind of have this humor about us. Maybe for you, it's involvement. Your coping mechanism is involvement. If you just stay busy, you don't have to face the things of life. Like, if I keep my calendar full, like, and there's no downtime, the only downtime is at night, and I'm taking melatonin and Advil PM because I'm trying to get to sleep, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just trying to, I don't advocate that, I'm just saying it, it, it you may know people, but, but like, there's just there's times of involvement in your life where you just stay busy, 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 go, 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 and so many people that I've met along the way that the reason they stay busy is because they don't want to deal with the event that happened in their life. It's a coping mechanism. You ever, you ever met those people? They just—they're just so involved. For for some of you, it's isolation. That you begin to push people away, just isolate yourself. For, for others, it's it's pride, and it's not real pride. It's just false pride. And you walk around with your shoulders up and your head out high, but inside, your shoulders are down and your head is down. It's hanging. And we forget that God created us on purpose, with a purpose and for a purpose, that God created this perfect, beautiful self, and so often this event happens, we begin coping and we lose track of who we are. We see it this way, Adam says I was naked because I sinned, so I hid, you could say it that way, I was naked because I sinned, so I hid, and you could fill this blank in a million different ways, if we go to that next slide, I was blank because I blank, So I hid. I was ashamed because I was abused. So I hid. I was addicted because I was bullied. So I hid. I was arrogant because I failed. So I hid. I was ashamed because I was addicted. So I hid. I was embarrassed because I was left. And so I hid. And you can fill these blanks in a million times different ways, but the end result is the same, is that you create this facade, you create this wall, you create this barrier, and you never let anybody get close enough to see who you really are. And can I tell you, because I know this from experience, that living this way is exhausting, that living this way is so tiring, that there's something about it that just wears us down, and can I tell you this, is that the church has done an amazing job, and by amazing, I mean a terrible job of telling people that we have to fake it till you make it of telling people that we have to put this face on, like everything is okay. And every time I read the New Testament and I read the the stories of Jesus, Jesus never said, hey, fix it and then follow me. He said, no, follow me and I'll fix it. He said, hey, if you continue to come after me, I'll continue to, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And Jesus over and over and over shows us as we read the the New Testament as we read scripture that that, that, that you don't have to fix it and then follow me. It's not like hey hey we're going to we're going to clean the fish up before we catch it. No, we're going to catch the fish and then we're going to clean them. If we continue to follow him, he will fix us in every way. He will make us more like him. He will he will bring us into this process, that, this huge process that we call sanctification where we begin to look more like him. We begin to smell more like him. We begin to react more like him. I don't know if if we smell. I don't know if it's like cologne or what, but but we just begin, but we just begin to ooze the very presence of Jesus. He says, "Hey, just come to me, and I'll make everything that's wrong right." And along the way, there'll be grace in the process. That along the way, there will be so much grace in the process. And, but here's what the enemy does. Here's what the enemy does. Is that he begins to do this? He begins to eliminate. Self. And this is a tragedy. Because he takes what was an event and he turns it into an identity. I was abused just becomes I, I am. I, I was bullied just because I am. I did fail because I am a failure. I had an addiction becomes I am an addict. And all of these things, it turns not just into an event like not just I was ashamed, but I am ashamed. I was embarrassed, to I am embarrassing. I I, I made a mistake, to I am used goods. And you forget that God never made you like this. That this wasn't the person that God God created you on purpose for purpose and with a purpose. He never said, as I already mentioned, He never said, "Oops, or my bad." He didn't take his eyes off the wheel when he was making you. God never made you to be that way. It's just been a lie from the enemy. From from the very beginning. And he continues in verse number 11 in Genesis chapter three. He says, and he said, who told you that you were naked? It's one of the most perplexing questions for me in all of scripture. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Can I tell you that for many of you, your identity is tied to a person that for so many of us in the room today that your identity is tied to a person and the reason that you have this this facade, the reason that you are faking, the reason that you are holding people at arm's length is because someone spoke a lie over your life. Can I ask you today, who told you you were not enough? Who told you that you were fat? Who by their perpetrating against you told you that you were No good. Can I remind you today is that they don't have the authority to speak that over your life. That only the God of the universe has the authority to speak your identity over your life. That whatever those people said, whoever told you that, listen, whatever voice is telling you the lie that you're believing, they don't have the authority to speak that into your life. Only the one who knit you together in your mother's womb can tell you, listen, I made you on purpose, for purpose, and with a purpose. I didn't make a mistake. Oh, come on, some of you guys are going to get this about two days from now. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is the best news I've ever heard. They don't get to define you. Only God can do that. And so, so what's God's response to this faking? We see it in verse number 21. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. We see that God not only pursues Adam and Eve He not only goes after them, but he renews them in this moment. And you may be thinking like, who am I that God would pursue me? Who am I that God would want to come after me? And he shows us through this story of Adam and Eve that he is coming after us because seriously, who gives gifts to people when they screw up? God does. Listen, I can't tell you a time. My son's, uh, he'll be uh, four in, in January, and I can't tell you a time when he's screwed up and I'm like, hey, buddy, let's go to the store. I just wanna buy you a toy, any toy on the aisles of Target. Just go for it. Like Nobody does this except for the God of the universe because over and over and over again, he reminds us that he's not intimidated by the real you. Over and over and over again, he shows us. Listen, I'm not put off by who you really are. He created you. He's the one that knits you together. He knows you better than you know yourself. Like he knows the thoughts before they even go through the brain weight before your before your 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 the 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 neurons can fire. And he knows what's going on. He he loves you. He's 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 obsessed with you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. That's our God. He's on an endless pursuit of who we are, he takes the greatest insecurity and replaces it with a new identity. And he does that for me and for you. That he takes the greatest failure and he replaces it with favor. And he does that for me and for you. Some of you have heard this so many times that it just glazes over you. But God took your failures and he made it favor. That God took your shame and he made a covering for you and it's called grace. That God loves you so much that even when you were jacked up, even when you were messed up, like he was on a pursuit of you. And until you turned, you didn't realize that he was step in step coming after your heart. And some of you in the room, you've been running from him for so long. But all you got to, can I tell you, all you got to do today is turn. And you're going to realize he's been hot on your tail the entire time, wanting to show you, wanting to cover you, wanting to show the love that only the creator of the universe can have for you. This is our God. And over and over and over again throughout scripture, we see this, this idea of God clothing us in his righteousness. That taking everything that's wrong with us and clothing us with everything that's right about him. We actually see this play out in the New Testament in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is telling this story and it's absolutely amazing story. And we, we see that there's two sons some of you have heard this story before. There's two sons. One asks for his inheritance before his father actually passes away. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, if I ask my dad for my inheritance before he was passed, uh, I, I might get the business. Anybody with me on that, you know what I'm saying might get the, And I'm not talking about his business, I'm talking about the, the, the business, you know like you know what I'm talking about. But he asked for he asked for his, his portion of the take before. His father passes away, and the other son sticks around. And, and so, the son that gets his portion of the inheritance, he goes away and he, he squanders it on what, they, what the scripture calls wild living. He just, just imagined the, the craziest thing. Maybe for some of you, you only have to think back to college. You, you just imagine he lived most of his life like that. And, and this is what's going on in his mind. He finds himself, and it says he came to his senses. It says in that passage that he, he came to, it was like a moment of awakening, a moment of refreshing, a moment of, 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 of just the, 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 the most clarity that you could ever have. And we see that, that as he's coming home, in Luke chapter 15, verse number 21, it says this. It says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Can I tell you that when you research this you will find that the robe is significant in this story that the robe is actually symbolism for righteousness that the father meets him that the father doesn't like scold him when he comes in he says the father says us quick bring the best robe and put it on him come on bring that Gucci and put it on him bring the Versace and put it on him bring the best robe that we got because we're going to make sure that he knows that I'm serious about how much I love him we're going to make sure that he knows how much I care for him that I'm gonna restore to him everything that belongs to him. He says, put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. He says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Come on, give me a steak, somebody, amen, right? He says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate and since. Adam and Eve, since the beginning of time, God has been taking the light and covering what we've been hiding, and today, I believe he wants to bring you out of hiding, and he wants to cover you with his grace. That he wants to bring you from, from hiding and from coping from the events that have happened to you, and he wants to reintroduce you to your true self, the one that was made on purpose, the one that was made with a purpose, and the one that was made for a purpose. Today, you're gonna have an amazing opportunity to respond to this, to say, you know what, I'm tired of faking. It doesn't mean you're not gonna have times and days and spaces and places where you don't find yourself faking. It just means that we we get nudged and corrected by the Holy Spirit. But today, we get to make a conscious choice that we're gonna say, you know what, I'm taking off the mask. I'm I'm not gonna fake it. I'm not gonna hold people at arm's length. I'm gonna let them know who I really am because if God can know who I really am, there's some people that I'm going to invite into my life to speak into who I I really am. And some of you are gonna find freedom like you've never found today. And for others of you, you've never been clothed in his righteousness. You've never, never made the decision to give your life to Jesus. And today, today's the day You're gonna give your life to Jesus. So 12, song, can I pray for you as we close today? Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. God, thank you for your pursuit of us. God, thank you for your love for us. God, thank you that you're not intimidated by our true self, that you're not intimidated by our real self. God, thank you for the reality that that's the one you're after. You're not after some dressed up version of who we are, God. You're after our real selves. And so today, God, we just ask that we would stop holding people at arm's length. We would stop holding you at arm's length. God, we would let you in to reintroduce us today, to reintroduce us to the self that you created, that the self that was made on purpose for, a purpose with a purpose, the self that was knit together in our mother's womb, God, for, for great works. God, we love you so much. It's your wonderful name we pray, amen.